Hello, and welcome to a different thing. I'm not even remotely sure how to get started. <laughs> I would say probably not like that. <laughs> okay, well, too bad we've already started. Uh, <laughs> my name is Mick Dickinson. My name is Susan Dickinson. This is not Bibliovile. We're still running it on the Bibliovile account because we want to save money. But this is going to be a completely different thing that I'm extraordinarily uh, excited and very, very scared about. We're going to be doing a somewhat actual play podcast of an RPG called Monster of the Week. Uh, this week is going to be the pilot episode, I suppose you might call it, because what I want this <clears throat> to be, uh, what I, what we hope, I hope, uh, this to be is more of a sitcom-y take on uh, RPGs. Maybe not a sitcom, but a, a TV show at the very least. Um, <clears throat> this is, I would feel really bad if I didn't uh, kind of just give this all this up front extraordinarily uh inspired by the adventure zone i heard about this system through their mini arc that is going on while i'm recording this right now it's probably over by the time uh, a lot of this will get out but they put forward the monster of the week uh system which is built on the uh apocalypse system uh and i knew that i had to play it and had to run a game with sue my wife and have some fun with uh her and some guest stars which will kind of explain a little bit later. See, what, what did you think when I introduced this to you? Well, at first, every time you talk about the Apocalypse series, I always think in my head that it's the Apocalypse Now series, which is a very different thing. Yeah, it would be four Very, podcasts, very different four, thing. Four, four-hour-long podcasts of nothing happening, and at the end, <laughs> I would just be like, he's dead. And you've spent all of our money. Yeah, and, <laughs> <laughs> and people tell you that it was really good, but you don't really understand why. They say it's good. Yeah. Um, no, I am. I'm extremely excited. Uh, we spent a little bit of time brainstorming together, but the majority of what we are going to be doing tonight is a surprise to myself as well. So, Mick, you've spent many, many hours putting this together. Wow, I'm many, excited many. to see it. Yeah, um, I'm terrified. Uh, I have done this with D&D a lot, uh, running a Dungeons & Dragons game as the Dungeon Master. You know, I have to come up with everything there is. Uh, and the players get to react to it and kind of advance the story. Uh, but for Monster of the Week, which is a completely different game, I have never played it. And now not only am I playing it for the first time, I'm running a game for the first time. And not only am I running the game of my first time, I'm recording the first time I played this. Here's the great thing about recording, though, is that it comes with an edit feature. <laughs> yeah, but not that good of an edit feature. Uh, I can't make the thing good. There's no make good button. I mean, um, isn't that what auto-tune is? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Monster of the Week. Uh, if you've never played any sort of tabletop role-playing game, uh, a really basic run-through is that I is the what the, in this system is called the Keeper. <laughs> so mysterious. The Keeper of Monsters and Magic? Yeah, something like that, or Mystery or something. Uh, but in Dungeons & Dragons, might be called the Dungeon Master, or in most games, would be just be called the Game Master. Uh, I invent the beginnings of the plot the character the supporting characters the setting the dangers uh and then kind of let the player characters loose in the world most DD groups come with four to five people uh we decided it would be a good idea to run a game with one mm -hmm. to two to start uh so sh susan will be playing a character i will be playing literally everyone else so i think mix uh 
real rambling. strategy yeah, here no. was that if you're going to try something for the first time and you're afraid that you might embarrass yourself, it's best to do it just in front of your wife who is legally obligated to not care. That's, hey, that's why the <laughs> wedding night is what it is, am I right? <laughs> I mean, you did sleepwalk. I did, yeah. Well, <laughs> I've been known to do that from time to time. Anyway, so can you tell me a little bit about where this is going to be taking place? So our ep- or our story takes place in Pinedale, Oregon. Uh, as far as I know, it is a made-up town in a real state. I believe Oregon <clears> is <throat> technically real. Uh, I don't know too much about uh, Oregon, so I just basically wanted like a TV setting where I get to make up nearly everything that's around it. For example, the Samson River runs through Pinedale. I'm not sure if there is. I am willing to bet there's not such a river in Oregon for for that. But uh, this Pinedale, Oregon, hopefully we'll get to know over the course of the the season, as I am uh, calling it, of these episodes. Uh, I've already drawn a couple different things for it, come up with a couple different settings and people who inhabit it, as well as the problems that are going to present themselves uh, to Susan's character. What we see going ahead by the title Monster of the Week is that this is based off of Monster of the Week. Crazy, that. Uh, TV shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Supernatural or Dr. House if he was Van Helsing instead of a doctor. Okay. So <laughs> those TV shows that are quirky but fun, Joss Whedon-y, uh, but still kick a lot of ass when they need to. I would like to uh, let everyone listening know that while the game that we are playing is called Monster of the Week, this show is not called Monster of the Week. No. Show. It's called Molly's Monsters. Molly's Monsters, because our main character, who we'll meet in a little bit, has the main or the first name of Molly. Uh, so, do you want to just Let's dive right in, my friend? <sighs> Been to it. Oh, okay. Here's our theme song. We open, flying over a brick-built city, gridded streets still slick with the morning's rain. Dark green forests cover the distant landscape, but the foothills beyond are hidden behind a layer of mist as the rains move on. This is Pinedale, Oregon, and not a lot happens here, usually. In the areas between chain-fast casual restaurants lies a sense of important unimportance. It is paramount to Pinedale's families and citizens that not a lot happen and not a lot change. Unfortunately... 
Their wishes will not be respected because big things, as they often do, are bubbling to the surface. However, that comes later. For now, what we see is another brick building, a full three stories, higher than most of the buildings around it. Its north wall reads KKTC, dry patches underneath the raised letter away from the brick wall. Still flying in, we enter through a slightly ajar window to find a frazzled woman pushing items into a green box. Here, we find Molly Malficarum, who has just been fired. So, Susan, Molly, this is you. Take us through, who's Molly? What? All right. Molly is in her early 20s. She just graduated from the university here in Pinedale, Oregon. And immediately after graduating from college, Molly landed the dream job. She was one of the morning anchors at KKTC, um, and that was what she had been working for all through college. Unfortunately, after about three weeks on air, Molly got caught making some embarrassing comments regarding her experience at the Silver Stranger, which is a restaurant near the KKTC building, and also one of the morning show's biggest sponsors. Yikes on bikes. Yeah. So after accidentally mentioning on camera that she hopes no one is idiotic enough to actually eat dinner at the Silver Stranger because everyone knows that their service is complete trash. And also the last time I ate there, I ordered the eggs and it gave me the worst case of the shits that I've had in ages. (laughs) Oh my God. Why is that? What? Why is that light on? Are we on air? Oh my God. All right, so that's why she's uh, packing up her box right now in her office, uh, furiously trying to stay outside the uh, realm of the windows as she sees everyone in the newsroom staring in at her. Uh, as they stare through the windows, what what might they see? Um, so they see Molly. She is um, pretty short, but um, surprisingly strong. She's got curly brown hair. She's dressed in her you know, news anchor outfit. So she's got a a blazer on, um, skirt, heels. She's dressed very professionally. Um, She's looking pretty flustered right now. Her face is really red. Her hair is kind of a mess. And she's just furiously throwing everything from her desk into this big Rubbermaid container. Um, Just trying to get out of there as fast as she can. This whole morning has been an absolute nightmare and she just wants to get home. Okay, so as you throw things into the the Rubbermaid container and you got one of those green boxes on the top with the handles because life is nothing but a collection of cliches, Mm -hmm. uh, you make your way out to a couple hoots and hollers but mostly awkward silence uh, down the elevator uh, to find your car. uh, Piling the remains of your professional life in the backseat, you head home. As you're heading home, you try to keep a low profile, you know, driving past the streets. Uh, you can hear your tires squelching on the rain that had happened this morning. While local news is not exactly the Oscars, you can't be sure who was watching and who has seen you so far. Finally, out of a drive through Pinedale's downtown, across the Sampson River, across Lincoln Island, you arrive underneath your apartment, parking your car and uh, snagging your belongings out of the backseat. So as you head upstairs, you open your apartment door, which remains unlocked, thanks to your roommate still not being at work. And what what do you see in this apartment? Um, so the kitchen is pretty small. There's not a whole lot in it, although I noticed that my roommate has left all of her dirty dishes in the sink again. Um, she is asleep on the big sofa in the middle of the living room. 
Um, there is also a big armchair that faces towards the TV, and then the two bedrooms in the back corner. Fantastic. Any any uh, motif? Um, it's a little bit haphazard. You can definitely tell that there's two people with very different styles that live in this apartment. Um, on one wall, there's a bunch of like family photos and pictures of like friends and big groups of people that look like they're having a great time. And then on the other wall, it's like very, um, very modern art, some, some kind of odd looking stuff. Molly's not too crazy about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, as you enter and the door closes behind you with your hands full of the classic green box, you fail to catch the door. It slams shut, and your roommate, Ophelia Helm, sits up on the couch fully awake immediately. You don't know if she was actually all the way asleep or what. First, Her first words out of her mouth, Are you serious? She says and kicks her blanket off of her legs. What? She reaches uh, down, grabs the computer. This. She opens it up to Twitter. Your face is already on the screen. Oh, God, please don't tell me it's all over social media already. It's only been two hours. She stands up and goes to the kitchen to fetch a bottle of wine from the cabinet, uh, ignoring the fact that it's about 12 noon, sets it down in front of you, and says, It's everywhere. It's everywhere. I think Molly. I, I think I might need something stronger than wine. Do you have any tequila? <laughs> she reaches up and she says, No, I drank that last night. I, it's wine. We can go get some more. <sighs> okay. Okay. I just tell it to me straight. How bad is it? Well, the po the video I posted has gotten over what a... What do you mean the video you posted? How... You're supposed to have my back in this. How am I not supposed to? You said you got a case of the shits. You were with me and you did too. At least I didn't yeah, mention well... your name on TV. Yeah, that would have really effed it up for both of us because I still have a job at that station. Oh, Ophelia, this is a nightmare. What am I supposed to do? I I don't know. I mean, Pinedale, although small, isn't isn't very cheap, and I can't hold this apartment by myself. Okay, I literally just got fired two and a half hours ago, and you're already lecturing me about making sure I'm upholding my end of the end of the rent. Thanks a lot, Ophelia. She said, "I got you wine," and she uh. pops the cork. So. How are you going? How is Molly going to deal with this sort of stress and embarrassment? She is going to spend. I am going to spend the first couple hours of the day drinking wine um, in various states of undress on the couch, and I am going to decide. I've decided that I'm just going to get it over with. I'm going to watch every clip of it and read every comment I can find online. Ophelia goes. That's not. Very healthy, and then leaves for work. Does anything uh, change? No, this is what I do until the evening time when she comes home. All right. Uh, when she comes home, what do you do? What changes? She comes home from her job. She's a uh, a like early evening, so like the four or five mm. o'clock uh, edition. She's the weather girl. Okay. So she comes home. She's like, oh, it's not looking good. It's stormy out there. It's a lot stormier in here. How much wine have you drank? Well, the bottle that you got me this morning, plus I found another one in the cupboard, and then there was one that I had wrapped up that I was planning to give to my cousin Lucy for her bachelorette party, but I suppose I can just get her another one. Probably, if you get it. Oh, never mind. Uh, let's keep going, because I got you this. And she pulls out a bottle of tequila. It's okay. But 
how does how does uh Molly feel about okay tequila at this point? Molly doesn't care about anything at this point. Okay, Ophelia, tell it to me straight. What were they saying at the station? Did anyone mention me at all? No. Are you sure? Some some words. Some words were said. I couldn't bring myself to watch the four o'clock news. Did they mention anything about it in the newscast oh, no. about me being gone? No, your your name's never gonna come up. I, I mean, no, they won't say anything. Okay. Here, tequila, 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 and she pushes it into your hand. Okay. I drink a shot. Molly drinks a shot of tequila. Okay, I'm gonna fast forward. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm I'm willing to bet that's how the rest of the night's gonna yep. go. So Molly drinks uh, the rest of the shot of tequila and doodly, 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 doodly. We go to the, uh, we find Molly, uh, blankets entirely over her head, waking up uh, in her bed. So she must have done something mm-hmm. right. Uh, waking up over, or, uh, with her blankets under her head to the sound of her phone ringing. I answer the phone. Hello, this is Molly. Oh, well, it's too late. It's already. Wow. You answer the phone like that. Oh, you... sorry. Hello, Molly. Uh, it's too late. You, you didn't get there in time, so it must have been ringing for some time before you woke up. So uh. I don't mean to uh, enforce any sort of motivation on you, but you are not feeling super good. Three bottles of wine plus some tequila, not mixing plus sugar, plus in general. I stumble. Depression. I stumble out of bed and into the kitchen, and. Uh, open up the fridge and in the back corner where I know Olivia keeps her secret stash of Gatorade for the morning after her rough nights. And I take a couple swigs of Gatorade with some ibuprofen. Okay, you're you're well on your way, but that voicemail remains blinking on your uh, telephone. All right, so um, is this a like a phone sitting down on the desk or is this it's a, like cell, a cell, phone? cell phone? Okay, um, I open up my phone and... Very groggily while still chugging Gatorade, listen to my voicemail. Okay, so you have, you hear on the thing, or, uh, in a in a deeper voice than I can provide, and more stuttering. Hi, Molly, this is uh, uh, Arthur Darby. I'm I'm calling you about your uh, application. Well, uh, it's a little unorthodox, but we'd love to have you on our Pinedale investigative team. You're, uh, uh, well, well, in any case, we've got you scheduled for a four o'clock. Uh, just come. It's going to be a pretty casual interview. Uh, you don't need to bring anything but your questions and investigative skills. Uh, this was, uh, uh, Arthur Darby from Pinedale Investigation. Yeah, thank you. Four o'clock. And then he hangs up. I listened to the voicemail through a second time because I'm extremely Hi, confused. Molly. This is... A- <laughs> and after listening to it a second time, I text Ophelia and say... I just got a phone call about a job interview. Can you remind me what we did last night? She says that you were looking up uh, in your drunken state, looking up possibilities, uh, people who were hiring because you were so distraught. So this is in text. So I'm not going to mm-hmm. do her voice. Uh, you were so distraught. Looking up extra jobs probably didn't help with me asking for rent. Uh, she says you found Pinedale Investigative on a disreputable website. Uh, thought it, the name sounded interesting and maybe you could pitch it to Vice as a, uh, I went to this private eye. She says, Pinedale Investigative sounds like a private eye, but it must be some journalism job after all if they want you. You've got a journalism degree, Molly mm-hmm. does. Uh, either way, I say get a trench coat, she says. All right. Um, what time is it right now? Uh, you woke up around 10.15. 
Okay, I decide that I've got a little over five hours to get myself together and get across the river to Pinedale Investigative. Yeah, he there he included a, a address, I'm going to say. You found the address yeah. online. And so I'd better get myself together. I hop in the shower, make some coffee, try to get through this hangover. Okay, so you're, you're just going for it. Yep. You're just picking yourself up, dusting yourself off. What else can I do? Ophelia's going to kick me out. Okay, what what will Molly wear to an interview? What sort of things does she... Um, Molly opens up her closet. So I open up my closet, and the majority of things that I have are variations on essentially the same outfit because you have to be pretty conservative as a news anchor in a town like Pinedale. And so I have a bunch of blazers, a bunch of skirts, a bunch of blouses that go underneath the blazer. And that's essentially <laughs> my entire wardrobe. So I'm going to wear some variation of that. We'll say navy blue blazer, uh, gray skirt, green top. I'm a little uncolor coordinated this morning. That's the most you can ask. So you go through lunch, you shave your legs. <laughs> I don't know what. Run through your, your stock interview answers. And then mm-hmm. it comes four o'clock. All right, how how early is Molly to it? We're just trying to we're just trying to feel Molly out here. Okay, Molly. Now that she's had her night of mourning and and <laughs> gotten mourning. through uh, gotten through the initial shock and embarrassment of her flub and her firing yesterday, you check she's Twitter, decided that the best thing to do is keep her head down, log off all forms of social media, and just try to get back out there. Grindstone. So she's gonna. She's going to arrive at Pinewood Investigative 30 minutes early. Okay, so at 3.30, you you pull over. Uh, it's across the river. It's right underneath the interstate uh, that you, you find the building that you're looking for. You check your phone one last time because you've arrived at a nondescript flat. It's a single-story mm. brick building. Long and skinny away from the street going underneath the interstate, you can see the gigantic support columns uh, flanking the building. It has very little in the way of advertising or labeling, nothing, no banner screaming Pinedale Investigative, uh, only the address numbers on the side of the building reassure you that you're at the right place. This is a extraordinarily low-key kind of building. The roar and the traffic on the overpass above you roars on as you pull the glass doors open. You're greeted by the smell of cubicles and fluorescent lighting. You hear the sound of a doctor's waiting room and a rosy-cheeked woman behind the desk uh, welcomes you. She says... Hi, you must be Molly. Please take a seat. Arthur will be right with you. Hey, I set my um, briefcase down on the ground. I've got my little uh, pad folio ready and and a pen in hand. I'm ready for this interview. Okay, as you sit and wait, the woman behind the desk, she's nervous. She is moving things around. She arranges pieces and nippets around. Uh, A small plastic figurine of a Charmander goes from the left of her monitor to the right. In his place comes an odd metal pyramid with a ball hanging from the top that swings back and forth as she moves it. A stack of papers is rotated, straightened, shifted, and placed on the other side of the desk. She even moves her watch from one arm to the other. Running a hand through her gigantic red curls that, at best, have been told to stay in a ponytail, she looks at you with purpose and asks, I hate... So I hate to do this, darling, but you're the woman from the news yesterday, ain't you? I turn bright red. Like my face, my well, we neck. We could roll for this. Ooh, first Uh-oh. roll. We could just keep your cool. 
Keep my cool. Or okay. act under pressure. I can't remember what the movie is. Uh, yeah, act under pressure. So I'm going to try to act cool under pressure. So I have a plus two for cool. So I'm going to roll two d6. Yeah, in the box. Okay, so six plus two is eight. Eight, that is a mixed success. What's uh, keep her cool, say, under a mixed success? Or act under pressure. Um, the keeper is going to give you a worse outcome, a hard choice, or a price to pay. So you could either blush fiercely and be unable to talk, uh, or you could just say, yes, it's me, and uh, get a small snicker from her. So it's up to you. Okay, I, I'm i going to own up to it. Yep, yep, that was me. Uh, it's been a bit, a bit of a rough 24 hours. And she goes, ah. I'm sorry for asking, but oh, I just couldn't help it. it. It was pretty funny. I've eaten at the Silver Stranger, and believe me, I've eaten there once. Once. So, honey, I'm on your side, but while the cameras were rolling, she's kind of... Uh, I, I try to, like, be buddy-buddy with her. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I feel like everyone in town's had that experience, the Silver Stranger, eh? Yeah, yeah. All right, Arthur arrives quickly uh, as you're having this... Con- well, you assume he's Arthur because he arrives with purpose. Uh, he is wearing a, like, black polo with the gray under things, a very mm-hmm. Under Army kind of polo, and some sensible gray slacks. Okay. You look down at his feet, and he's wearing running shoes instead of, uh, like, dress shoes, which strikes you as a little odd, but it's kind of like dad uniform yeah. type shoes. Uh, he's He arrives, and, oh, uh, Molly, welcome. I am so happy to have you here. She He kind of, like, claps you on the shoulder and rubs it around a little bit. I'm very happy to have you here. Uh, it, you're a little uh, early, but... I suppose that's just professionalism. Uh, I, we're not quite ready for everything, so I'll uh, I'll be back. And he says, and he leaves uh, uproariously. I'm a little uh, a little taken aback by this. In in my experiences, it's normal to be thirty minutes earlier early for an interview, and he doesn't seem quite as put together as I was anticipating. Okay, I take a seat and wait. Molly says, or you're Molly. Uh, the woman behind the desk says, um, that's Arthur for you. He's, he's, he's excited. He's excited to have you. What's his role here? Oh, he is the head of public, uh, relations. Uh, so he's very, public relations here at Pinedale, uh, investigative. Uh, it's, it's a pretty great place to work. I like it a lot because I get to meet a lot of interesting people like you. How says, many, uh, how many employees are there here? Oh, at I don't know. There's people everywhere. We're not just in Pine. We're not just in this one building. Hell, we're not even just in Pinedale. As funny as that sounds. I'm intrigued. Uh, I take Arthur a- arrives again. Okay. Are, are, do you want to take a look around before he says anything? I was just going to take a look around the room to to see what else I could see and what else I could figure out about Pinedale. Do you want to go for a? Sounds like you're trying to. Where is? Uh, 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 I'm trying to investigate a mystery. I'm trying to figure out um, what kind of work these folks do here at Pineal Investigative. Seven plus what? Um, seven plus one, eight. Eight, so that's a mixed success. Okay. On a seven to nine. Um, one hold can be spent to ask the keeper. So you get one, to ask okay. one question. Um, what kind of work do you all do here? So what kind of work do they do here? You're asking me, not me. Um, what kind of work do they do here? I have to tell you the truth. This is like a, a stepping out gameplay of the game. thing, yeah. Yeah, I have to tell you the truth, but I can only I only have to tell you what you could discern. Okay. So I have to be honest, but not 
everything, okay. if that makes sense. So what kind of work they do here, you can tell uh, there's a lot of people working uh, on computers as you look in, but it is this is something that you do notice uh, curiously indistinct. Like they put effort into making sure there wasn't anything to grab hold of. It's okay. like ultra frictionless. Okay. So Arthur arrives back, and this is about as quick as I've made it sound. There is not like extra moment of silence. He made he probably just like got back to his office and then turned back around. <laughs> so he comes back and he goes, "Molly, welcome uh, again. Uh, please, we're uh, ready for you now. So if you." Could just come back. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll be ready to ask you some questions. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds great. Um, so, yeah. I'm ready. So as you walk back, he gestures. He's like, here we have our uh, primary investigative services. Uh, you won't be working with them too much. That's a lot of research. We need your skills uh, in public relations, he says. Uh, and so as he's he's walking you back with the like the weird sort of office carpet that's not quite like padded, but it's extraordinarily mm-hmm. quiet when you walk on it. Uh, you can see a couple glass faces with people sitting behind desks with heavy one tables, uh, heavy one desk, and he says, uh, "Pay no attention in there. That's not going to be you. That's not going to be you. That's not. Gonna... You're not going to spend a lot of time uh, in this building. You're either going to be off or in the field, as we call it, because you you did some pretty good work right out of college. Uh, I saw you on the news before. <clears throat> well." <laughs> Uh, doing some on-location reporting. There's going to be a lot of on-location stuff here. And so he takes you into the office. He sits down. He says, great. So, normal, standard. I mean, we're a normal company. Normal thing. Uh, standard interview questions. Uh, but we get a little... There are some things uh, that might be a little different. We still want to have good employees. We're still a workplace, he says. Okay, yeah. Um, I, I think that in my previous position, I, I really demonstrated Great, my... Great, he says. Okay. Uh, so, we'll start off normal. Uh, what, are your, what are your strengths as a worker, employee, yeah. uh, person? I think that um, some of my strengths are my determination mm. and my ability to follow through on oh, things. Good. Um, I think that I, I definitely am very logical and I'm good at analyzing situations oh, yeah. and, and determining where I can be the most effective. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. And you see him like put a piece of a pencil to the piece of paper and like zoop, 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 pretend like he's writing, puts the pencil there. And uh, weaknesses. Anything? Um, what? I'm sorry. What, what would you say your weaknesses are? I think that. Sometimes I have a tendency to say things before necessarily thinking about them oh, or examining mm-hmm. my surroundings. Yes. Sometimes I can be a little impulsive as well. Ah, such as such as life. Say la vie. La vie. <laughs> 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 yes. Good joke. Um, yeah. What are some examples of times you've worked well with a group or a partner? For example, well, definitely with my old position at KKTC, um, there mm. were a- and that's the news. Correct. Yep. Yes, I saw. Um, there were always a there was always a, a team of folks that were out on the field. You mentioned my on-site reporting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there would fantastic. be fantastic. Yeah, there would be a, a whole team of us: um, the camera folks, myself, um, several other reporters, typically working on a case. And I think, as you mentioned, we often did a great job of bringing that news home to the viewer. Fantastic. Uh, a case. I like how you put that. What are? Uh, uh, do you have any uh, phobias? Things you are afraid of. The omelets of the silver stranger. <laughs> no, but really. 
Um, and like you see the most intensity that he's put forward so far, like as he leans onto his desk. No, but like phobias. As he leans into me, I lean back a little bit. You're separated by a desk. Yeah, but okay. still, I like shift my pad folio between us just because his intensity is making me a little uncomfortable right now. Um, not necessarily any phobias, but I, I will say two things that I'm not overly fond of would be large crowds, and mm-hmm. I shudder involuntarily. Spiders. Okay, well, uh, you won't have to deal with many large crowds here, so that's very good. Uh, what are your growth goals for this uh, position? To be honest, Arthur, sir, I just want to get my professional reputation back in line. Well, I, I have very good news. You can make a, a great living here uh, and not have to worry about your professional reputation, he says. Uh, which I'm, I'm sure will be <clears throat> flawless at Pinedale. Uh Sorry, getting back. Uh, any any allergies? Penicillin? Uh, morphine? Uh, allergies? Yes. Standard questions for normal businesses. Um, n- no, I, I I don't have any allergies. One time I had a weird reaction to some lotion from Bath and Body Works, but other than that, and well, you know, <laughs> the we, we, we won't have to, uh, too many cases about lotion. He says. That and the, uh, you know, the omelet situation. Other than that, no. Oh, well, that's that's very good. And he actually writes some stuff down. Um, so uh, have you ever had any dreams that... Oh, I'll ask this. Uh, what's, your, what's your dream job, your dream position? If you won the lottery type thing, what would you do? I mean, my for dream... For a job. My dream position... Since you don't have to worry about money. My dream job would be to to get back on the air and potentially move away from Pinedale and into a larger city. Mm. Having the opportunity to be a morning anchor for a new show in Portland, that's the dream. Mm, he says and he writes something down. Uh, well, speaking of dreams, have you ever seen, uh, had any dreams that have seemed to come true? Um, One time in middle school, I had a dream about my friend Olivia getting de-pantsed in front of a whole group of people at a pep rally, and then a couple months later, it actually happened. That's the only example I can think of, though. Okay, and would you say you found any other sort of latent magical abilities? Magical? (laughs) Or prophetic, Um, supernatural? (laughs) No, I I don't believe in any of that stuff. Okay, well, uh, I have to ask: Was it you who depanced her? No, it wasn't. It might have been me that gave Joey the idea, but it wasn't me that actually did the pulling. Okay, well, influential. <laughs> um, do strange voices ever tell you to do things either bad or good? Okay, this interview is getting a little off the rails. Voices, magic, no. None of that. I told you, I don't believe in that stuff. Great. Uh, do you have any hobbies? Um, I crochet. Fantastic. I've done some needlepoint. I really love to cook. Nice. Uh, have you ever trained with any firearms? Um, I shot a gun once in the 11th grade. My boyfriend lived out on a farm and we went and... What's that thing where they shoot the little clay pigeons up into the sky? Skeet. Yeah, we did that. Nice. Were you any good at it? Actually, yeah, surprisingly so. Hmm. And he actually read something down. He fall, he puts his uh, his you know thing he's putting forward down and says, "Molly, I'm I have to come a little bit 
clear with you. The end of our, our name is not Pinedale Investigations. Uh, and I've been asking these questions for a reason. And you've noticed I've seen that they're a little odd. And we're, we try to keep things normal and natural. But the truth of the matter is that our full title is uh, Pinedale Investigative Supernatural Services. We're not a detective agency. We're uh, dealing with, as the name suggests, supernatural things in Pinedale and the surrounding areas. What do you mean by supernatural? Uh, more than natural. It's Latin. Okay, uh, because I understand what the word means, but can you give me an example? Well, it's funny and you hear a knock on the door. Uh, Arthur seems surprised. He goes, I'm, I'm interviewing Roman. You can't. And the, the man comes in anyways. And this man, this uh, swarthy, heavy-lidded man, dark hair, comes in says, well, what does this guy sound like? It's nearly sundown. The man uh, you take to be Roman says, with purpose underlying his seemingly boring words, the interview must, for all of its awkwardness, have flown by, uh, because you entered, the sun was still hitting the streets. Mm -hmm. So something must have, you got longer on your tour than you thought, or something. It's later than you originally. And so uh, Arthur says, oh, uh, that that was quick. That's fall for you, I suppose. It's October. The days are getting shorter. Uh, now, listen, Molly, before I go with Roman here, I think I'm just going to say that given your interview and given what I know about you, uh, you should be perfect for the public relations wing of our organization. Uh, in fact, if you're interested in checking out more about, like you asked, what this is about, you could come with us right now as a sort of orientation, I suppose. Um. I hope this isn't too crass of me, but before I accept and come with you, can I ask about pay and benefits? Arthur says, no, no, we'll handle all that tomorrow. We'll get contracts signed and everything. You will be well compensated, believe me. Uh, your apartment over there on the other side of the river will be fine. Uh, oh, yeah, it'll be okay. We do more than enough to take care of you there. Roman says, Arthur, I don't want her holding us back. Strictly speaking, I don't even want you holding me back. He hooks his thumbs into his belt. I work better alone, especially with a case like this. And you can see he's got a couple, like, gadgets on his belt. I can't help myself, and I'm just incredibly intrigued by Roman. I've never seen a person like this before. I have no idea what anyone's talking about. So despite my misgivings, I decide to go with him. Okay. Arthur claps his hands. Wonderful. We'll, we'll get you a... Uh... You'll, you're going to love it. You're going to be really interested in it. A woman like you is going to be uh, a sure fit. And so you start walking out of the office. Roman kind of grumbles. Got to take care of this on my own. He's grumbling as he's walking past. Uh, you walk through the rest of the desks. As you start to look at over people's shoulders, they're kind of turning to look at you. There's probably about maybe 11 total people in the office, kind of office drone type people. Mm. Uh, as you look over the shoulders, you can see more of those uh, disreputable websites, something kind of like jars in your brain from the fog of the night before, and you were kind of on some of these stuff like uh, The Mothman Spotted, you know, Bigfoot Lives in Denver kind of sites, and all of them seem to be on this. And so you're, you're wondering if they're just off task or where the spreadsheets are or something like that. 
part of me starts to wonder if everyone is a little bit off their rocker at this place. They all seem to be really into conspiracy theories, all of Arthur's questions about the supernatural. I'm kind of wondering what I'm getting myself into. Yeah, so uh, as you, you walk through, you notice that all of a sudden one of the what you took originally for a support column, uh, about two-thirds of the way into the, because remember there's a very long office, uh, two-thirds of the way into the office, uh, is in fact not a support column, but an elevator shaft. You did not notice this before. Uh, you, uh, Arthur steps forward, presses the down button. You uh, hear the chime of the elevator. Both of them file inside. It's this really clean, sleek, a lot of the rest of the stuff is boring, like, mm. you know, office stuff. And there's this really clean, slick elevator. The door is shut, and he presses the, the B1 uh, button, the, the soft blue light around the circle pops up. It's it's all very clean, and you didn't expect it to be that clean, looking a lot more techy than usual. So as you're starting to go down, uh, what are you what are you expecting these doors to open on now? Like knowing what you know from movies and such. Well, based on the the building and the surroundings and everything I've seen so far, it seems like it's going to be some sort of storage area. Like I'm expecting those like storage cages because what else is going to be in the basement of a weird office building like this? Okay. Well, as you op- as the door is open, you find that it is just a large basement with folders and storage cases. All right. So exactly what I was expecting. Yes. Uh, Arthur kind of looks a little bit sheepish and he's like, uh, we don't let the the unrefurbished basement. We're on the top of our game because things are looking a little like you're practically expecting to see a real the real down here. <laughs> That's like everything's in a very burnt orange kind of thing. Super seventies. Yeah. Uh, and so there's a small little parking garage like of company cars. You're willing to bet that whoever comes to work has a different place to park for their day job. But company cars are parked down here. You can see the garage door at the end of the like after a short hallway or whatever uh it's a sensible chevy impala uh no markings or anything like that it's got a usual license plate but you can tell as you get in uh there's uh like uh what do they call it with the windows with the little squares like wired windows oh yeah Whatever. Caged windows, yeah. Caged windows uh, on the back side and in the middle, but hopefully when Roman grumbles and gets in the pat or the uh, driver's seat, he shuffles one over so you can talk to the people in the front. Um, you pull out of the pine or of the uh, pine Dell investigative building uh, onto the street. Take hang a left, hang a right, hang a left, uh, and you are on your way uh, to a just section of town. You've been there before. There's nothing much of note. Uh, it's getting into the warehousey type thing. Just buildings. Okay. <laughs> you don't know what's here, what you're going to. So as you're on your way, the sun is beginning to set. The streets are in shadow, but the sky is still lit up. Uh, stopping at stoplights very calmly, Arthur kind of turns around to you and he goes, Now, I don't want to make too much of what should be a, 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 a simple case, but uh, you should probably stand a couple paces back from me and especially a couple back from Roman. He gets, he likes it. And Roman, I like my space. I like to work alone. He says, I wish you weren't here. Okay, you don't have to be quite so obvious about it there, Mr. Subtle. I will stay out of your way. Uh, and Arthur goes, and uh, what do you, uh, are those pumps or heels? My shoes? Yeah. They're, they're heels. They're pretty sensible, too. Only three, mm. four inches. As the, as the cart starts coming to a stop in front of one more and this just vast uh, brick nothing buildings uh the he comes to stop and goes uh let's go to the trunk and he opens the trunk up and he's got 
uh, several different shoe boxes arranged by size. And as you open all of them up, they all are the same exact shoe that he, style of shoe that he is wearing. You look down and realize that Roman also is wearing a, a slightly more stylish but still running shoe. He goes, I, uh, you, I'm sorry I didn't think to bring socks, but I, you should put on these. He says, and he goes, what are you, an eight? Seven and a half. Uh, I always had an eye for it. <clears throat> so he gets out the shoes and he gives them to you. And he goes, uh, I would prefer you put those on quickly. Sun is setting. Okay. I slip into the shoes. I tie them up as quickly as I can, lamenting the fact that these look absolutely ridiculous with the pencil skirt that I'm currently wearing. Okay. And as you are walking down, like, a, uh, uh, so remember where we parked to go to the Iowa Tap House in Cedar Rapids? I want you to think that with garage doors in the sides and, like, places for semis to pick up mm-hmm. uh, and as you're walking you can't help but notice that uh romans drops a crowbar out of his sleeve like a pry bar as he's walking towards the door with pretty good purpose uh arthur kind of checks his notes one last time and walks up to the door with him um i have left my cell phone in the back seat of the car and i'm starting to think that that was a gigantic mistake because these two strange men have taken me to a strange kind of desolate isolated part of town I'm really wishing that I could shoot a text to Ophelia and at least let her know where I am so someone could find the body. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So as uh, Roman checks his watch one last time and looks up and you hear him kind of curse under his breath in that Christian Bale Batman voice of his and Arthur uh, looks back at you with worry. Uh, Roman goes to put the pry bar into the wall to try and uh, get the door open. Uh, But before he can firmly get it in place, the, the door blows open. Okay. Uh, let's see if there's any moves we can have you use, because I wanted you to roll some more. Okay. Uh, no, not quite. I don't think so. Um, okay, go ahead. So with this, uh, externally, do you have anything? Is there something you would like to do? Maybe not quite yet. Okay. Uh, with, in this sort of isolated area, there's not a lot of people on the street, uh, which you thank God for, because as the door blows open, kind of knocking Roman to the side, he wasn't expecting it to blow open. Uh, you look to find about a six foot tall sort of, uh, man type thing moving herky jerky. You can't quite make out the face. Uh, as he comes more into the street light outside of the, the door frame, you can see that it's six foot, very broad shouldered. Uh, and the reason you can't make out the shape or, or of his face or any other sort of identifying details is because he is wrapped in, uh, uh, bandages. Like, from head to toe, wrapped in bandages. Oh, okay. Um, Arthur looks back at you and looks at Roman and digs something out of his pocket and kind of tosses them to you. Uh, roll to keep... Or I don't think I can make you roll, actually, in this game, but just to show. I'd like you to act under pressure to catch them. Okay. Um, so acting under pressure, I have 8 plus 2 is 10. Okay, you snag them straight out of the air uh, like you are a uh, wide receiver with only one hand to catch them. And you look down to find that they are brass knuckles. Uh, as you look at the brass knuckles, on these brass knuckles, you can see a little crucifix, uh, like cross insignia, on the, the, the punchy part of the brass knuckles. And you can feel a little bit of tingly in, in your fingers. So you, you are holding them right now. Okay. Um, I have never held a pair of brass knuckles before. I don't really know how they work. But I watched some action movies with my dad when I was younger. I think I remember. I slipped them on my hands and crouched down in like a ready position. Okay, so as you look, as you think about brass knuckles, I'm going to draw them out for you. 
which side do you think is the punchy side? Well, I'm assuming this is where I, I put my hand through here, and then the punchy side is up. Okay, here. so yeah. yeah, you got it. So you punchy, you got the punchy side on the right side. I want to make sure you didn't put your hand through the, the with where the hand goes through. No, I'm not a dumb dumb. Um, so you put the brass knuckles on your hand. There, uh, the man in the bandages is walking extraordinarily slowly, but with loud, heavy steps. You can hear sort of like a <laughs> kind of growl coming from him. Mm -hmm. When the door blasted open. Roman fell? Yeah, he got like okay. knocked to the side. Uh, <clears throat> I First, I'm going to go and, and take a look at Roman and see if there's anything I can do to help him. Okay, you would be passing Arthur and passing the guy Ooh. in the bandages to get to Roman. He's on okay. the other side of you. Um, I am going to kind of hang back behind Arthur for right now okay. because he said to keep back. So outside or out of Arthur's uh, suit pocket, he presents like one of those little security batons and thwink it. He thwinks it open. Takes a bottle out of the other side of his jacket, or he's wearing a pole out the like a hip flask type mm -hmm. thing, and you can see him dowsing the the uh, security rod and something. Okay. And then uh, he runs up with a quick little juke to the side and smacks the guy in the face with the security baton. Uh, you can hear a real heavy hit, thwomp, uh, and then past that in the in the the silence that follows it, a little bit of sizzling. Um, is the is the the creature still moving? Yeah, he's just, he's growling again. He doesn't seem to be having, uh, have too much purpose. He's mad about being hit in the face. Um, I sneak kind of like around behind Arthur and I decide that whatever the hell is happening, I'm going to get a hand in it. And so I take a swipe at the creature, um, like at his back. I'm, I'm behind him. Okay. So you're, are you behind Arthur or behind the creature? I've run around Arthur. So I'm like so coming up from behind the creature. <clears throat> um, I'm going to say you're helping out and instead of okay. kicking some ass. So roll to help out. Okay. Uh, that is seven plus two is nine. So that's a mixed success, right? Yep. So what's that? So say? your help grants the person plus one to their roll. Um, so yeah. plus one to Arthur. <laughs> but I also expose myself to trouble. So as you start to run around, uh, the, the guy in the bandages turns, instead of focusing on Arthur, and turns to you and begins lumbering towards you as if to, uh, he actually does. Uh, the man in the bandages seizes you, and he just smells terrible. He smells very, very old. Okay. Um, I, I he's am... He's very strong. He's, I think he's got you. So unless you are, uh, I think that he, he has you. Uh, and then you hear another one of those thwacks to the back of his head, okay. hear another hiss, and the monster, or the person, you don't know if it's a monster, okay. uh, <laughs> drops you uh, and turns back to the other, uh, turns back to Arthur with another growl. He's not super happy. Uh, where he has got hit with the baton in the back of the head, you can see a dent in those bandages, but he's not bleeding at all. Okay, um, as soon as he drops me, I like scurry backwards. Um, it pops through my head that I'm completely ruining this skirt, but I'm trying to get as far away from this guy as I can. Okay. I'm retreating. As you scurry uh, backwards, you see Roman in his... Uh, now you realize that it's not just any sort of like casual jacket. It's like a padded motorcycle jacket okay. that he's been wearing around. And you see him kind of uh, take a lighter out and take a spray can and flick the Zippo lighter on flink and spray... Uh, using aerosol as a sort of improvised flamethrower onto this this guy. Okay. Uh, you can see very, very quickly those bandages start to catch fire, and he's the guy is very, very mad about it. 
uh, and he starts rat thrashing about. Um, I I stay where I am, but I also yell at Roman, "What are you doing?" He goes, "Close the door! Close it! Close the door!" Then he he's gesturing towards the warehouse as he like with his head as he continues to spray the the guy with the flamethrower, improvised flamethrower. Um, I I I decide to listen to him because the dude's got fire. And so I run up and try to close the door. Okay. As you close the door, you can see a small little cat, uh, hairless, uh, stinks pretty bad, uh, dead, uh, run out the door. It's dead? Yeah, it looked pretty dead. It was really skinny. But it's running? Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, you hear, as this starts to happen, Roman says, close the door. And Arthur goes, ah, oh, shit, the cat. And he starts running after it. Okay. So I have, have I shut the door completely? Yeah. Now you've now shut the door. Okay, I decide that um, Arthur and the cat are a lot less intimidating than Roman and this creature that is now completely engulfed in flames. And so I run after Arthur and the cat. Okay, as you run after the cat, you thank God you got some uh, uh, shoes on. Uh, So I'm... So you are uh, headed out. You might use this opportunity to read a bad situation if you were so interested. Um, I, I would like to, I would like to do that. Um, and that is, I get a plus sharp. So plus one for sharp. Let's see. I also, um, one of my extra moves is that I am a tactical genius. So when I read a bad situation, I roll plus cool instead of plus sharp. So disregard what I just said. I'm actually rolling plus two. Not good enough, though, because that's a three plus two is five. So that is a failure. So mark one experience, because in this game you level up through failing, which is kind of okay. fun. Yeah. Uh, but what happens when you fail to read a bad situation? You just don't get anything? Um, I, I just really have no idea what's okay, going so on. So you're continuing yeah. to chase the cat. Uh, the cat's pretty quick. You can see Arthur once again take that baton out, and he just hucks it at the cat. Uh, as it impacts the cat, uh, you hear... Uh, uh, really weird like not catty kind of like screech like, as the cat falls over and uh the the baton is resting on it and you can see it start to sink down into it as it as it keeps sizzling um i have this has been a really stressful 24 hours i've kind of had enough i i whirl around and i look at arthur and say what the hell are you doing that poor thing looked miserable what'd you do that for and he goes uh now just hold on a second and he no time and he picks it up by the scruff of the neck and uh takes his baton one last time and you can see him beginning to swing on this cat by the the scruff of his neck i grab him by the arm (laughs) okay roll to uh help out because i guess you're helping the cat yeah uh, four plus four is eight, and... is plus cool. Plus two, so that's a ten. So, uh, the cat now gets plus one on its rolls, and you can see it wriggle free and limp into an alleyway and jump up a couple boxes onto the roof. He turns around on you, says, I'm very mad that you did that, but we're not gonna get it now, so we have to go help Roman. And he runs back. I do not feel bad, because despite what this crazy man says, I just... Helped save an innocent, helpless creature. Okay. Uh, the the person on fire that is uh, covered in bandages on fire is still rearing around. So he's, he's made a tougher stuff than you would originally think. Uh, and uh, Roman is standing there still spraying it. And he, he's looking a little lost. He's dancing out of its, its flaming grasp because uh, it's still going. Uh, and Arthur runs up behind it, says, God damn. Damn it. Sorry for my language. 
And he, he takes the flask that was in, in his pocket, unscrews the top totally, and just hurls it at the, the creature. All of the flames go out at once. And as the flames go out, you realize that there's nothing there except for a pile of dust on the ground. Okay. So now that there is nothing on fire and the present danger seems to have left, I look at the two guys, hands on my hips. I am mad as hell. What is going on? This is the weirdest job interview I've ever been on. I still have no idea who he even is, pointing at Roman. What it is that you do here... As you're talking, Roman is looking around and he's, he's, the cat, where's the cat? We gotta get the cat. What do you mean we've gotta get the cat? That poor cat. It's not a cat, he says. Arthur was trying to torture that poor cat. I have no idea what you're doing. You bring me out here into the middle of nowhere. Dangerous situation, flames everywhere. What the hell did you do to that guy? Roman shuts down and refuses to say anything more. He's staring daggers into you and all that. He goes, no. I know this is stressful, and maybe it's a, a little bit my fault uh, for not informing you what was going on, but he gestures to the, the pile of dust on the ground. He says, this was Rotep. Uh, he's a mummy. Uh, he's on loan from a British museum, and that cat was the, the demon that uh, brought him back to life. So we needed to catch the demon. was more important than the mummy, and it's, yeah, it's gone now. So there's a demon loose in the city of Pinedale. I'm sorry. Can you repeat this for me just one more time? Demons? Mummies? Yep. So, Pinedale Investigative Supernatural Service. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned that part. It's more than natural. It's Latin. Uh, Super meaning... I know what the word supernatural means. Can you please go back to explaining the mummies and the demons? Thank you, Arthur. This is Ratep. He is on loan from a British museum. Okay, I understand what all of the words I'm that you're sorry, saying I, I, mean. Uh, there's demons, there's monsters, there's vampires, there's everything, Molly. And uh, Pinedale's job is to catch them and stop them from wreaking havoc. We are, deal with the public and how they relate to these monsters. Public relations, I don't think it could be much clearer than public relations hunting down, stopping, or killing these monsters. I sit down on the curb. What was in that tequila that Ophelia gave me last night? This has got uh, to be a bad trip. Nectar, mostly. This um, has got to be a bad trip. Please let me wake up. Please let me wake up in my own bed, and none of this has happened, and there is no such thing as monsters. Roman sits down next to you, and he, he takes kind of a sigh, and you can feel he's still not happy with you, but he's like, I remember when I found out. Unfortunately, when I found out, was when my kids were murdered. And he didn't see <laughs> I look I look at him completely wide eyed, my face goes pale, and like put a hand on his shoulder. Stop. Roman he, he away. Roman, I'm so sorry. Kids were murdered. But I had to find out that a monster was real then. Thank God Pinedale helped me get revenge on that damned Frankenstein's monster. Wait, how long ago was that? Several weeks. So is this a new thing? that's been happening there haven't always been monsters in pinedale Pinedale. well no in pinedale it is odd that you mentioned there's always been monsters but we've existed for the past 30 or so years almost 30 years uh there's always been monsters uh pinedale has had its fair share it's a big enough city uh but uh no it's it's just been lately that's why we needed another public relations agent how is it that the vast majority of people living here 
are completely oblivious to the fact that there are demons and mummies and Frankensteins. Frankenstein's monsters, he says. We killed Frankenstein like 50 years ago. Uh, Those uh, are still around now. Okay. Doctor, Dr. Frankenstein. So, how do, how do we not know about Ironically, this? Ironically, Dr. Frankenstein was a Frankenstein. He Frankensteined himself. Okay, can we get back to the question at hand here? How do people not know about this, Roman? Oh, and Arthur says, oh, we're very good at our jobs. He says, that's why we need you. Your quest for the truth and quest to find out what's really going on is what we need in this job. Uh, I mean, now that I know that this is out here, I guess there's no going back, right? I, I'm in. Fantastic, he says. And he, he goes to shake your hand and goes, oh, but uh, uh, I'm going to dock you a little bit for letting that cat go. You're kind of starting in the doghouse. Okay, can I just recommend that if you're ever going to bring someone from a job interview straight out into the field, that you at least give them a few pointers before bringing them out to face a demon and a mummy? Yes, well, uh, you'll be happy to find out that the demon was Anubis, and it sounds like we're in a new business. <laughs> oh, okay. we are gonna have to work on the jokes I need too, a, bud. Because I need a gun for this cat. Um. So yeah, that's that's all I got planned. So you're a men, member of Pinedale Investigative. I'm a member of Pinedale Investigative. Arthur, on your way into the car, says, "Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. We'll just drop you off straight at home. Uh, don't forget your shoes in the in the uh the boot, the trunk. I'm sorry, the the trunk." Uh, we, we pull up outside of my apartment building, I get my shoes, and I take a look at them, like they belong to someone in a completely former life, and trying to pull myself together and look a little bit more reputable, I go back upstairs. Uh, you, you enter to find Ophelia with another bottle of wine, and she goes, oh, thank God, I, I forget what Ophelia sounds like, oh, thank God, I, I had nine and one dialed on the phone already, and then you showed up, uh. Were you still at your job interview? She says. Um, yeah, I, uh... It must have gone well. Are you... Did you get another job already? Is this like a rebound job? So, no. I think I've I've decided that I'm going to take my career in a different direction. I'm really excited about public, public relations. The company seems interesting. Pinetail Invest... Are you going to, like, pitch a device or... I don't know. We'll have to see where it takes me. That's the, <laughs> apparently the end title music. I don't know. But um, I'm glad that ended what it did because I really have to pee. But how, how was it? Did you enjoy it? That was it? fun. I'm I like that a lot. I'm didn't have you roll enough. That's okay. Uh, that was really fun. I like it. I'm into it. Nice. I'm excited to see what happens next. Well, you got to hunt down a cat. She's got to get some better shoes. <laughs> All right. Um, that is going to be it. We're going to record a couple backlogs. So I don't know what the release schedule for this. I don't want it to be as common as Bibliobal because, number one, that's a lot of creativity. But I also don't want it to be too far apart because then people will forget what's going on. Uh, so that I don't know if this is long or short or whatever. Uh, I hope that this is a lack of rolls from usual. Uh, as in like rolling the dice because we had to kind of get some stuff going, introduce some people. So I have no idea what it's going to be like. But it's an adventure. So It's an adventure. I am Susan. Have a good night. Oh, wait. I've been Mick Dickinson. Follow me on Twitter at Tikima. 
I've been Susan Dickinson. You can follow me on Twitter at Susan J. That's S with three U's, S-A-N-J. And this has been Molly's Monsters. Feel free to share about it on uh, Twitter. Retweet us when we p- plug it from Bibliovile account and ours and whatnot. Our title music is from Louis Zong, and it's by the name The Oscillatorium off of his album Adventure. Uh, I highly suggest you check him out. His band camp is fantastic. Each song is only about a minute and 20 or so seconds long. Uh, so go look him up. The Oscillatorium that's Louis Zong. Thanks for listening. And different ending catchphrase.